This is Pastor Bill Woods again, and I wanted to bring you a message for this week. As we look around and we see how quickly our our world is disintegrating, and we realize it's got to be real soon before Jesus comes back to take his church home. And the thing I want to ask you today is what to do, or what would you do if you missed the rapture? And so I've entitled this message, What to Do If You Miss the Rapture. What a wild ride it had been. Jesus had been arrested, crucified, resurrected. He had been seen various times by his disciples and others. And now here they were on Mount Olives trying to get his last minute instruction. They didn't realize last minute, but trying to hear what he was about to say. They were trying to find out his plans for the future. Jesus was giving last-minute instructions to his disciples and followers. He told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And then all of a sudden, he was taken up into the clouds. Imagine how exciting that would be to be listening to a speaker talk, and all of a sudden, they began to, to rise or caught up and, and floated away in the clouds. And these people watched and craned their necks, trying to see what was happening, trying to see where Jesus was. It's kind of like when you let a helium balloon go. There's this tendency to stand and watch the balloon as long as you can see it. And that's what these people were doing. The angels were standing nearby and they came and said, don't just stand there. I mean, this is my interpretation. Don't just stand there. Get to work. Jesus will come back the same way that you saw him go. In Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11, it says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, I'll briefly mention some of the signs that the Bible tells us to watch for as we wait for Jesus to come back. We've gone over many of these before. First, Israel was going to become a nation, and that happened on May 14th uh, in uh, 1948. And uh, the then they said there would be famines and pestilence, and a pestilence is a fatal epidemic disease, and people are saying, well, maybe this uh, coronavirus fits that bill. Jesus said there'd be natural disasters. There would be earthquakes and floods and fires, hurricanes, tornadoes. And he said there would be wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He said there would be false messiahs that would come and false prophets. And there would be persecution of Christians, and Christians would be betrayed and killed. They said there would be a one-world religion, and a one-world government, and a one-world economy. If you want to go over these things, check what it says in Matthew chapter 24. Now, all these things are on a fast track now. The warning signs are developing daily. Jesus gave a parable telling us that we better be prepared and ready for when he comes back. Right after he, he uh, spoke here in Matthew chapter 24, he said then in Matthew chapter 25, 1 through 13, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. 
Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins, and that would be bridesmaids, arose and trimmed their lamps. And the fool, foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. And they, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. That's a picture of the church waiting to go to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Some are prepared. Some have not made proper preparation. The unprepared will be locked out, wanting in, thinking they belong in, but denied entrance. Many preachers and churches disbelieve the rapture today. In fact, I was reading one time, 75% of the pastors deny this biblical truth. The majority of churches preach a watered-down gospel. Paul said in the last days, he told Timothy, they would, they would not put up with sound doctrine. They'd want their ears be tickled. Imagine their shock when they discover it's real and they were left behind. Most Christians have been lulled into a false sense of security and had better wake up. It's like it was in Noah's day. In Noah's day, Noah was trying to tell the people there's judgment coming from God, and they would laugh, and they'd make fun of him. They thought he was eccentric, and they thought he was nuts and all that. They didn't believe the danger until it started to rain. Those outside the ark thought they belonged inside. In fact, they wanted inside now. Uh, what would it have been like to be inside that ark and hear the pounding and the screams outside the ark as the rain began to fall, as the flood began to rise? Picture the panic when Christians all over the world just disappear in the rapture. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to wonder, what happened to my loved ones? Where is my baby? All these things. There's no need for people to be caught by surprise because the signs that Jesus gave us and the signs that we read in the Old Testament are everywhere. The May 1984 National Geographic showed color photos and drawings of the swift and terrible destruction that wiped out the Roman cities of Pompeii and Herculeum in AD 79. The explosion of Mount Vesuvius, Vesuvius was so sudden the residents were killed while in their routine. Men and women were at the market. The rich in their luxurious baths. Slaves were working. They all died amid volcanic ash and superheated gases. Even family pets suffered the same quick and final uh, fatal disaster. It doesn't take much imagination to picture the panic of that terrible day. The saddest thing is these people didn't have to die. Scientists confirm what ancient Roman writers recorded, that there were weeks of rumblings and shakings before the actual explosion. There was even an ominous plume of smoke 
clearly visible from the mountain. They had appeared days before the eruption. If only they had been able to read and respond to Vesuvius's warnings. It's kind of like what happened at Mount St. Helens up in Washington State. And, and the, the, the volcano was rumbling and people were saying, you need to get out of here, you need to get to safety. There was a man by the name of Harry Truman. He was not the president. He was just an old man that lived up on the mountain. He said he wasn't going to leave. And he didn't think anything was going to happen. But he was caught in the uh, volcano when it erupted. And nobody has heard from him since. There are similar rumblings in our world right now, as I've already listed. While not exactly new, these things do point to a coming day of judgment described in Matthew 24. We don't need to be caught unprepared. God's warned and provided an escape to those who will pay attention to the rumblings. God help you not to miss the rapture. But what will you do if you do miss the rapture? Well, first thing I'd say is don't get excited. You were going to hell anyway. It's just your imagination that makes you think you're not in great danger now. John chapter 3 verse 36 said, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The reason I said you'd be going to hell anyhow, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's, that's the final destiny for you if you don't accept Christ. But you need to repent. You've been warned time after time about the rapture. You've been warned about coming judgment. You never got excited then. Why would you, if you miss the rapture, get excited now? Truth is, you were just as damned 20 years before you missed the rapture as two seconds afterward. The rapture will just make this truth a reality. Well, somebody will say, I'm spatial. God won't let me go to hell because we have a spatial uh, relationship. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, no matter how spatial he thinks he is. Now that if you've missed the rapture, you can start working your way to heaven. The Holy Spirit will be removed at the rapture time. He will be taken with the church and uh, go to the marriage feast of the Lamb, so there'll be no witness of the Spirit to guide and encourage you. The age of grace that we now know is over, or will be over. Now it will be the age of grit. You have to have the grit just to deny Antichrist any control of your life. You'd have to have the grit just to say, I'm going to hang on. I don't have the assurance, but I believe that I'm not going to cooperate with Satan and his plans. You'll just have to work your way to heaven without assurance. You must have thought you could anyway. I mean, look at all the people that don't attend church because they don't want to be bothered about that kind of thing. There's too many hypocrites and all that. Uh, how many people think they're going to get there by clean life and good works? I don't know how many funerals I've had where people say, well, that was such a good person. Certainly God let that good person into heaven. Well, the point is that being good doesn't get you to heaven, being saved does. And if the person that they're talking about wasn't saved or didn't ask God to forgive them of their sins, then they did not go to heaven. There are people that say, well, I give money to the church or to charities, and certainly God's going to take that into account. No, unless you're born again. No matter how much money you give, 
unless you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're not going to make it to heaven. You've shunned the gospel of the grace of God. You've refused to surrender to God and let him control your life. You've always talked about living it. Well, you'd better start. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. You despise those who didn't live it. In your sight, uh, you know, they're, they're hypocrites uh, at all because they didn't meet your preconceived standards for a Christian. Of course, you weren't meeting those standards either, but you could always find a way to excuse your actions and make yourself an exception. Now it's past time to get serious and show how to live it. Revelation 12:17, And the dragon was enraged with a woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 14, 11, and 12, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now you can make the best of your situation, even if you've missed the rapture, because you're going to be here for a while, at least seven years, maybe. Jesus warned he was coming back for his people, but you thought you had more time and would get serious about accepting Christ later. Now you're having too much fun. You don't want to accept Jesus because might make you change too many things you don't want to give up. Well, how'd you know it would happen so quickly? Because Jesus said it would. But you thought there'd be more warning. You thought if you saw Jesus coming through the clouds, you could get on your knees and you would just repent immediately. Listen, he says it's going to be in, in a twinkling of an eye. Uh, that's no time to get on your knees and, and repent. You didn't read your Bible, so you understand so you didn't understand that warning. Revelation 22, 7 says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. While on a South Pole expedition, British explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton left some of his men on Elephant Island, promising that he would return. Later, when he tried to go back, huge icebergs blocked the way. But suddenly, as if by miracle, an avenue opened in the ice and Shackleton was able to get through. His men, ready and waiting, quickly scrambled aboard. No sooner had the ship cleared the island than the ice crashed together behind them. Contemplating their narrow escape, the explorer told his men, It was fortunate you were all packed and ready to go. They replied, We never gave up hope. Whenever the sea was clear of ice, we rolled up our sleeping bags and reminded each other the boss may come today. If you'd have paid more attention uh, with, with the, the warnings you've had about Christ's return, you'd be gone and not have to worry about what's coming next. By the way, what is coming next? Should we be alarmed? I want to try to imagine that someone that was left behind or will be left behind what they would think trying to encourage themselves that maybe things aren't so bad. And so I'm going to go a little bit in first pers uh, person. I imagine they would say something like this. It'll probably not be as bad as I thought because a very personable world leader with a charismatic personality has stepped forward to help pull the world together after this tragedy. 
just about everybody likes him. Thank God such a man was around to step forth when the world needed him. He's putting together a one-world government to cut out the friction and misunderstandings that have formed and have torn the world apart all these centuries. He's forged a peace treaty between the Arabs and the Jews. That has to be a miracle. He'll bring the unity and peace the world has always craved. He says it's better that the Christians are gone because they were the source of so much friction and controversy with their exclusive religious ideas. They, they just thought they were the only ones that knew how to get to heaven. The world economy's in a sewer because of all the influence or inflation and extreme spending. Not one country has a financial system that's solvent, but I think that our world leader can probably pull this together. A world currency system's the, the answer, and he's creating common currency throughout the world to bring a semblance of sense in buying and selling. Actually, this new economic standard has done away with the cash, with checks, with credit cards, which seems like a good thing to me. They've been replaced by a Mark RFID chip that's inserted into your left wrist or into your forehead. How wonderful, because now it'll monitor your health needs. If you have children, it'll they, they will never get lost. You'll not get tr lose track of, of where they are. It'll track your buying and selling and a cut down on your personal record keeping. What a great idea. This new leader's really thinking. Now there'll be no more identity theft, no more embezzling, no more stealing. It's easy to misplace a credit card or a debit card or, or a checkbook. You lose cash and or it gets stolen, but nobody can steal or misplace your head or your arm. Wow, why didn't somebody think of this before? It'll stop illegal sales of guns, drugs, contraband, all these things. Every transaction will be monitored. Nobody can cheat anymore. So you, so you lose some freedoms. That'll make the world better. And you know, it's okay to give up some things if you can make the world better. I don't mind sacrificing some freedom for the good of mankind. There's now a one world church with one world religious leader heading the one world religion. That has to be better than hundreds of denominations and dozens of world religions looking down their pious noses at you and always competing and quarreling each one that each one was right. The Pope was the visionary that put the program together with world religious leaders. He met on June on May 14th of 2020 and, and June 20th of 2020 where they signed a pact saying that they would unify and be one church and uh, one religion. I'm pleased with how harmonious the world's been these last three years since the Christians disappear. I no longer care that I miss the rapture because the world has become a utopity. Utopia. What's this? Our beloved world leader has declared himself to be God in the most holy part of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. He demands to be worshipped like God. And the Jews aren't taking it so well. He didn't say anything like that three years ago when he took over. Uh, we thought that he was a godsend. Things are starting to look bad. It's been three and a half years and things are starting to turn. I'm really getting scared now. 
The announcement just came that there's a massive persecution of the Jews and anyone who won't receive the RFID chip or take the mark or, or the chip means I have pledged my allegiance to this ruler and refusing the chip means that I'm going to get my head lopped off. I can't trust anybody. People are turning against each other in for, uh, they're, they're turning in each other for the slightest infractions. If I get arrested, it could mean that I would be sent off to some prison camp for re-education program or, or uh, some place where I would face torture if I didn't submit or, or even lose my life. It's strange how so many plagues, storms, earthquakes have happened lately. Whoever heard of the seas and fountains turning to blood and the sky raining fire and brimstone mixed with blood or, or hailstones uh, with, with hailstones weighing 120 pounds and, and all the earthquakes, something is happening. Two strange old prophets have been staying near the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. They look like old hippies, Old Testament hippies. They've been warning people not to worship the leader. They call him the Antichrist. They're saying, don't take his mark. Don't take one of his chips, RFID chips. And they've been annoying people for over three years now. I've heard their Old Testament saints, maybe Elijah and Moses, sent back to earth to warn us. If I refuse the chip, some say it's a mark. I, can buy, I can't buy or sell anymore and I will starve. Besides, I'd put my life at risk refusing to pledge allegiance to our world leader. Those weird old prophets have irritated most everybody in the world. It'd be better if they died and we could just find some peace. How strange that those who try to remove them are immediately consumed by fire. I notice that food is getting scarce. People are saying that there's a famine. I can't attest to that. Or I can attest to that, excuse me. It costs a day's wages just to get a loaf of bread. An eagle flew across the sky the other day screeching, Woe, woe, woe to the people of the earth because judgment and harder times are coming. God's about to pour out his undiluted wrath upon the earth. I'm scared. I wished I'd been ready for the rapture. Things aren't as great as they seem to be at first. I, I took that RFID chip because I wanted to eat. Now I understand I'm damned to hell with no hope. I wished I'd been ready when Jesus came in the rapture. He's coming back to establish his kingdom and, and, and to take care of the Antichrist and the false prophet, all these false religious leaders. I will be thrown in the lake of fire where they will burn forever and ever. I just am so terrified. Oh God, things are getting so bad. Is there no mercy? I so wished I had been ready. Well, now I've imagined some of the thought processes of those who missed the rapture. At first, it won't seem so devastating because Satan is a liar and will want to make people worship him. But as the seven-year tribulation continues, it'll be a million times worse than anything we can even imagine. Here's good news. You don't need to stick around after the, uh, around for the tribulation. Jesus died so you don't have to collect the wages of sin. God told Israel in Deuteronomy 30, 19, 
I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. See, it's your choice. People say, well, why would God send anybody to hell? God doesn't. He gives you a choice. You can avoid the tribulation. You can avoid hell if you want to. Why would you even hesitate? Get right with God by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you can experience God's love, and you can go to the marriage feast of the Lamb instead of experiencing God's wrath on a sinful world. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we know that these things that I've talked about are real. We've not even scratched the surface of how horrible it's all going to be. We look around, we see what's going on today, the, the riots, the looting, the all the different things that are happening. And, and we know, Lord, this all is a sign of the times we're living in. These are all warnings along with the natural disasters that are coming all the time, the fires and earthquakes and all these things. Lord, help us to heed the warning. Help us to confess our sins to Jesus Christ. Accept him and accept you as our personal Savior. Lord, I know a lot of people think, well, they're good and they're going to go to heaven. But Father, help them to realize nobody's good enough to go to heaven on their own. It's because of you. You've said in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Father, we want to accept that gift today. We want to know that our sins are forgiven. We ask you to forgive our sins. I'm sorry for our sins. And Lord, I ask you to come into my life and help me to live a life pleasing to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that you know Christ is your personal Savior. And I hope if you don't, that you'll find him today. I would appreciate knowing if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. You could write to me at uh, uh, lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Uh, that would be sending me an email. Last week I gave the wrong address. Let me say it again. R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. Or you can write to me at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I just hope that each one of you find Christ as your personal Savior and that one day we'll all be able to be together around the throne of God. Amen.